Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. This is episode 241. This week, we have the sassy savage wife, the effort to curb school violence, trouble in the Amazon, the mule and super mule of the week, and the war on childhood. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner, the Endeavor, writer, journalist, dog mom, and owner of the GeorgiaVirtue.com, Jessica Salaji. What's up, Dave? Howdy, howdy. How was your week? It was just fine. How was yours? Was traffic light down there? Because I know your local schools were like on fall break. They were on fall break, but we have the fair um, in Bullock and in Effingham County, which... If there, if that doesn't tell you like everything you need to know about the two counties that they have fairs at the same time, um, <laughs> like let's just compete. Usually, it's the, it's the same fair folk that go to each one. Yeah, I don't know where they get all their vendors and stuff, but they were competing. So, but um, I mean, if college is in, then traffic is bad because college drivers are terrible drivers, um, and then if. The college kids go away. Life is good. There's food at the grocery stores. Um, there's no scooters riding around. It is well with my soul. Yeah, speaking of college kids, uh, I went to the store before we recorded, and I, I saw a crime. So big new SUV, and it was a young girl driving, and it was her mom teaching her how to drive, trying to back out into the public's parking lot. I'm like, oh, that's the blind leading the blind. Mm, that's nice. I don't, I mean, in all seriousness. Sex is coming to the week. Yeah, for sure. But for real, I don't know what is wrong with the generation that is teaching the generation that's learning to drive how to drive, but they're doing an awful, awful job. Well, they're professionals. Look, I learned to drive from my father, and my father was not the most patient man in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I learned real quick, you don't have to stop to make a right-hand turn. And there were expletives in between, don't have to stop (laughs) to make a right-hand turn. Sure. Uh, And I learned real quick to not be a narcissist on the road. Watch what you're doing, son. Don't block. You're you're in the, don't sit in the (laughs) left-hand lane. Move right. (laughs) And I don't don't think the driving schools get the same expletives that that I got from instruction from my father. Like, what the F are you doing? Do they even have drivers at anymore? Like, do kids still, do they do it the same way they did it before? I never had it. Mm-hmm. Not until I went in the army. We had, had to get had to get a separate license to to operate military vehicles, but I never had it. But like Connie did, like her her school put it on. Yeah, I had it. But, it was after school for like six weeks. It was really not. I mean, really, all it did was prepare you for the written portion of the test. Um, no, I just I took a book home, studied it, and passed it. Uh, but no, they have to go to an accredited school now. Is it, what, well, Joshua's name. Yeah. Joshua, I was about to say Ryan's Law or yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. I know how much you love legislation that ha- that has uh, heartstrings and a name a- attached to it. Yeah, Joshua's Law. Like I'm sure that. Well, I'm not going to say it, but well, it, it created an industry. <sighs> and that and, and some of the DUI laws created an industry. I mean, it's 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 a big industry too. Mm-hmm. But cool. as far as up here, it was cold, gorgeous, gorgeous week. Uh, Friday was perfect. I mean, 40s in the morning, low 70s in the afternoon, zero humidity, sunshine, absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it's what, what you call a chamber of commerce weather. Mm-hmm. If you want to advertise for people to come to uh, come to Georgia, this is the weather that you bring them in for. Sure. That's funny. So we have the Savage Brutal Sassy. Yeah, um, I love that I sent this article to Eric, and he was like, wow, Brad Raffensperger's wife has a lot more personality than he does. Um, I Look, I this is one of the reasons that I'm not directly involved in politics. Because Connie would square punch uh, she, someone right in the jaw. Oh, yeah. She, she, she gets a little miffed with my friends who make fun of me. Yeah. And that's just, and she's, and she finally understands that's just the way guys treat each other. If someone seriously uh, uh, made accusations against me or seriously called, called me names, she, she would not be happy at all. Uh, but anyway, uh, 
Brad's wife told Senator Kelly Loeffler she didn't deserve to be an elected office uh, in text after 2020 election. Yeah, apparently it was pretty heated exchange. And these are all text messages that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution got a hold of. And um, then, of course, you know, other outlets picked them up. But Trisha Raffensperger, I, I love how Insider, Business Insider, in their story they wrote, like, it. the first line of the story is, terrified grandmother Trisha Raffensperger ripped into then-Republican Senator Kelly Loeffler of Georgia for unleashing, quote, such hate and fury against her family a week after Trump's 2020 election denial machine turned her life into a living hell. The terrified grandmother bit is, is, um, I mean, really, like, but... So she's so what she wrote was um, my family and I have been personally besieged by people threatening our lives because you didn't have the decency or good manners to come and talk to my husband with any questions you may have had. Instead, you have put us in the eye of the storm. That was on November 9th. Um, you know. I don't blame her for sticking up for her husband. Uh, I, I certainly don't like the way it's framed, the terrified grandmother. Like she's a, we all have this image of a, of an 80 year old woman with a sunbonnet on sitting on the front porch in a rocking chair doing her uh, crocheting or something. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a political wife, especially at that level, at the state level, you're going to have to have some thicker skin. Unlike you, my husband is an honorable man with integrity to do the right thing. I hold you personally responsible for anything that happens to any of my family. You do not deserve to be in elected office. Well, I agree with her there. She could not... Loeffler was a horrible candidate. She was a horrible choice. Well, what's hilarious is that they... Trump told people not to go out and vote again on in January uh, for Purdue and Leffler because it, he said they didn't do enough to support him. So it's, I mean, regardless of what you think of them, it's kind of hilarious that they were getting it from both sides because they got it from both sides. But um. Brad worked his butt off to get that job. He... He paid all blew kinds up. of business owners. Oh, yeah. He blew up the countryside with Brad Raffensperger's sign. No one had ever heard of the SOB. Well, he didn't really I, do I, the work. He had minions go do he, the work. He, he, had, he had money to, to have, have the work done. Mm-hmm. But he put a lot of effort in getting this job because it, he believes it to be a stepping stone to the governor's mansion. He'll never Which I, I have serious doubts. I think I have a better chance of being elected governor uh, next cycle than he does. Yeah, Brad Raffensperger is. He's not, unlikable, unattractive, yeah. uh, just he, he's unrelatable. The only reason he won is he blew up the countryside with, with his signs. And, and I really think half the people thought they were voting for Cliff from Cheers. Mm-hmm. His Raffensperger or something like that. Yeah, I so, mean, it's not. It was more an anti-other candidates, especially this go-around, too, and, you know, from the, the primary standpoint. But um, it, he's, he's not going to the governor's mansion. Not a and I think he knows him. that. It, isn't he the one that got mad he didn't get a motorcade to go to something? I don't know. Did he? I I, I think it, it was him. It sounds like something I, he I, would I, do. Yeah, I think it was him. That was, the governor got a, got a motorcade to go to something, and he didn't get a motorcade, and he was upset about it. Oh. Well... That makes him even And more nine out of ten Georgians couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Yeah. I mean, but I... But that's sec- I that's think, Secretary of State. I think his wife was completely out of line. I mean, of course, she's free to do whatever she wants. And, and he is... Um, I mean, I hate to say he is responsible for her, but he, I, in the standpoint that he has to reap the consequences of whatever she does. But... Um, I mean, like, look. There's, I, I, there's, my question is like, what does it actually accomplish? Like, and also, she said, unlike you, my husband. I, I just that's just she's attacking her personally. 
um, for something that, he did in his job as an official capacity. And that's fine. Uh, look, there's a couple ways to handle this. If you if if you're if you're Raffensperger, one is say that was a private conversation between two two people who knew each other. And, and obviously my wife was, was upset and vented. The other is to go, if you've ever seen Cinderella Man with, uh, um, Russell Crowe and, uh, Renee Zellweger and, uh, somebody was going after, uh, Russell Crowe and Renee st- steps up and throws drinks, drink in the guy's face. He goes, you let your wife do the fighting for you. And he turns around and goes, yeah, ain't she something? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the way to go with it, if, if you're going to address this at all, if, if you're the secretary of state is to go. She's a spark plug. That's why I married her. Is to, is not to not to play it down or anything else. Is say you're damn right. She's she uh, she got she got on Kelly's butt because that's the way she felt. And I've ne- I've never asked her to to hide her feelings or her thoughts. Yeah, uh, that uh, that's that's the proper way to handle that if it were to become an issue. Most people I don't are, think people care honestly. I mean, Brad Ravensburger is not and, relevant. And Loeffler is so unlikable that everybody else is like, yeah. Screw her. Yeah. So we have Georgia schools struggle with how to stop violence at their doors. Jessica. You know, every, it seems like um, every week almost we're hearing a story about a policy change at schools. Like, I think not too long ago, you know, Rome City Schools installed the metal detectors and they're subject to search going in and schools go to, you know, we had mesh backpacks when I was in high school. And then now they, a lot of them require like clear backpacks or no backpacks. And um, it's just constant crackdown um, that doesn't seem to really have too much of an effect at the end of the day. Well, even if I had a clear backpack, I didn't have a mesh backpack, didn't have clear. I had so much crap in it and crap in my locker that I could have hidden an AK-47 in my backpack if it was clear and you never would have known between the Trapper Keeper and the history book and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, it, it, this is all feel-good stuff. The the one thing on the story that I keyed in on that they really didn't dive into, this is off of uh, Georgia Public Broadcasting, so you obviously know the slant on this, is Clayton County installing body scanners uh, this year. And Five million they, dollars. And then they don't touch it again. How do these body scanners work? What's the what's the mechanism? Who's who's reviewing this footage? And are we talking about, this, you know, it's obviously not the same body scanners you go through the airport because the, the picture I see is kids are just walking past it. Uh, so it's not truly a medical te- metal detector because they're carrying uh, laptops and, and uh, uh, things. Yeah, past it so it's not just a metal detector so how how does this technology work and is there somebody reviewing you know digital images of, of naked kids wa- walking past it i don't know i already have a problem with the tsa doing it and you fly voluntarily but you if don't you, go to school voluntarily if you look at this picture on the story you see there's two metal detectors there's one behind us too you see that one like behind the line yeah there's two sets of they have like one that's the standard x-ray one that you people are used to, and then they have this like fancy new one that is just two pillars on each side. Um, and but there's no administrator at either of them, the administrator is standing in the middle looking at random students, and there's a line out the door. Yeah, I had a hard enough time getting to school on time as it was, and I could come in through you know, our, our high school was you know. Until class started, all the doors were open. You just, you, you could you know wherever sure. you parked, run into, run into the nearest door, open it, and, and run to class. I had a hard enough time getting there as it was. Now you got to get there. You know, are, are you, is there an app these kids have on the phone, like the TSA app? And go okay. The wait line at uh, at you know Smith High School is forty five minutes. Better get going. Let them know they're already or you check in. Yeah, I'm in line. You go ahead and check in. <laughs> yeah, like it's so stupid. I mean, <laughs> that is the. The most useless thing in the, at the airport is it check is. in the day it before. Is. It is. Like, that doesn't tell you if I'm at the airport on time. Well, <laughs> did we have this conversation? I feel like all it does is slow down whether or not um, you can fly standby and stuff. Like, Right. All I, don't, it does I don't know if we, we talked, about, talk, talked about it on air, but we, we, we've certainly talked about it. Yeah, it's asinine. But Look, vi- violence in our society is a problem. And it's increasing and in our society. 
The reporting of it certainly is. Uh, you, don't, you don't think crime is up? Oh, I, I know crime's up. Uh, it, it's just, we have a, a, a getting a, some deep rifts societally where life is becoming very, very cheap. And it's been that way in other places of the world. And we've always looked at places like, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan and, and, and Vietnam during the war where women would, would hand their babies with bombs at them to, to, to soldiers to blow them up, that life was so cheap. But we've gotten this in this in this cycle where where life is cheap and everybody wants to blame inanimate objects. The fact is, kids at my high school had guns, not in school, but they were in their trucks. They didn't use them either. Right. In fact, I mean, I distinctly remember a an assistant principal going out after school one day, going out with one of the guys to his truck to look at his to look look at his rifle because he had killed a deer that morning and told him about this new thirty out six he got. He said, "Oh, let me see. You got it in your truck? All right, after school, let's go, let's go meet and look at it." Looked, oh, that's really nice. And as long as it was locked in the truck, it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. More kids got in trouble for having empty beer cans in the back of their trucks than they did for having a rifle in the back of it or you know behind the seat. Yeah, I, and we didn't have that problem. It's it's a societal problem, and I, I don't I don't know how to address it. I mean, we have real mental issue, mental uh, health issues in this country, and I and I don't know what the cure of it cure to it is. It's not to search everybody every, everywhere they go because that just doesn't work. It just makes people be more creative, just like everywhere else. I mean, kids yeah, are a, a microcosm of the society as a whole. Well, it's sort of like every, everything on your credit card, they change the way you don't swipe anymore, put a chip on it, insert it. We're going to get around the fraud. Now you just tap it. Every time they come up with some anti-fraud, there's somebody else getting ahead of that. And I think it was Bush who said, we was talking about t- terrorists, we have to be right 100% of the time t- to prevent terrorism. We They only have to be right once. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with this, is, is you can catch 99, that one that gets through is the one that's going to cause the problems. Yeah. But you know they they hang blame at the at the at the wrong places. You know it, it's it's not it's not the the, the lack of, of of locked doors. It's not any of that. It's society. Well, and what's ironic is I guess ironic. I don't know. Is that people say like the one faction of society says we should spank children more and they should have more discipline, and then the other faction of society is saying that the way people discipline their children and the over disciplining of their children is to blame for X, Y, and Z. So it's, it's, they can both be right. Sure. There's, there's a difference between corporal punishment and an appropriate corporal punishment to, to the appropriate age and beating a child down and creating, creating a, a sociopath. There's, you know, any virtue in excess is a vice. So I, I think there's a there's a there's a medium, and there's also there's also nonviolent ways of, of parenting that, that still holds the child accountable, and I think some of that's missing. And you know, you and I were talking before about like my nephews with screen time and stuff. Uh, you know, the screen time with them is very very regimented, but some parents don't do that. For the, for some parents, it's it's a babysitter. Is you know, while they've got an iPad in front of them, they're quiet. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I. I you know, I, I don't, other than seeing people with their, with their kids, I, I don't have any firsthand experience of my own raising kids. So, well, and I'm I mean, not an expert. I I understand the um, desire to, I mean, keeping certain weapons out of school. If that's the prerogative, like that, that's and if that's the problem, then by all means. But it's just like guns and things elsewhere. Like you're never going to eliminate violence just by well, wasn't Columbine away. wasn't Columbine done from a hill and shot down at, at the kids outside the school no was Columbine was the first one and that was in the classrooms in the library that was in the classroom mm-hmm. I know there were some that were there were outside mm-hmm. look if if you're serious about about security let te- let teachers arm themselves uh, obviously, if you're gonna if you're gonna carry on behalf of the government, you need to have some sort of certification. Whether it's post or post light, or they come up with a new certification for teachers to to allow them to to conceal carry to 
because you're not going to you're not going to stop problem children. But can you imagine if a teacher shot a kid? I mean, like, I mean, think about like the way we are with police society, how they are with police when they stop a threat. Can you imagine? Especially if you throw a racial component into it. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, white gym teacher shoots black kid. Uh, that's. I'll take ten thousand of those instead instead uh, instead of ten, instead of d- uh, dead innocent kids. I I agree, but I'm just saying, like, if if teachers are if they're paying attention to, I, I guess what I'm saying is like I think they they would likely think about that before they would i mean they, i think they would think first and maybe you, you can't always well, think in those situations you've got to act my answer is always the same when it comes down to the schools which is eliminate uh, uh, public schools and let parents find schools that match their values and have uh, uh proper have security measures that meet their specifications whether it's mm-hmm. homeschooling or community school or private school you know, private schools don't have those hangups. Private schools, they don't have to, uh, they can have private security that are armed on site. Right. They don't have to go through post and everything else. They they fit, they fit somewhere else. So you get them out of the public schools and these these mass cattle drives that public schools have, have become, I don't even know how many kids are in a high school anymore, but these mass cattle drives and you break them up to smaller schools, you make smaller targets. And I'm saying it'll never happen again. But this this idea of having these mass shootings where you just have targets of opportunity everywhere, this giant building, is greatly reduced. Also, I think private schools have a lot more leeway to deal with crazy as hell. What was the one that the kid was uh, was at the counselor's office because he drew a bunch of stuff about wanting to kill people? And they're like, oh, send him back to class because they're so worried mm-hmm. about getting sued. Private schools don't have to worry about that. Send his crazy ass home. Right. So, Troubles at Amazon. Yeah, this is in Georgia. So, what we have is we have a bunch of people trying to unionize Amazon. Because obviously, those low prices were just too low for the consumer. No justice, no work, Amazon workers say. And they were protesting outside the East Point Amazon warehouse last week. They want better working conditions and higher pay. Isn't Amazon one of the highest paying companies? I, not, like, I mean, they have they have some. they have like education opportunities. I mean, Amazon takes care of their of their employees when they stick around. I lost my benefits because I had to work twenty five hours a week when I'm only allowed to work twenty. So they're forcing people who get disability to work and jeopardize their checks. I think that's wrong. That's what someone said. Um, they're not forcing you to do anything. <laughs> oh, I mean, I lost my benefits because I had to work 25 hours a week. I mean, having only worked 25 hours a week for benefits is freaking incredible. So wait a minute. You can work 24 and a half hours a week and collect a bunch a bunch of Social Security uh, benefits and all that stuff. Uh, I don't know what benefits this man was getting, but... I'm assuming it's a SSI disability, what he was talking about. Yeah. but um, I was forced to work more than 25 hours and I could have lost my disability. Well, obviously, if you can work 25 hours, you don't need the disability. It says Amazon's mandatory scheduling changed that. We should have water. We should have Gatorade packets. We should have all that in here. But do we get it? We get it every blue moon. Do we get anybody to come say, hey, how do you feel? How do you feel? No, we do not. Oh, God. Sidebar. Uh, Connie's bank had like a teller appreciation week where they gave him little little presents and stuff. Uh-huh. And she was telling me about this. And I just had kind of this look on my face. because what? I said, they get thanked twice a month. Do your damn job. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would not. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do well in this in this uh, touchy, feely corporate environment now because I'm a very... Uh, I'm I'm the nicest guy in the world until you put me behind behind the wheel. Uh, I'm the nicest guy in the world, but do your job. Well, I don't, and as an employee, I don't want to have to do extra stuff either. I just want to, like, I don't want to have to sit around and and have, like, 
you know, appreciation part. I, I just want to do my job and, and. Yeah. In the army, we called it mandatory fun. Yeah. We're going to have a company. We're going to have a company picnic. Okay. It, attendance is mandatory. And he's this, oh. this guy, Brandon Calloway, who helped organize the, the um, initial petition. And then the protest said that he was fired and retaliated against. He said, quote, your timing couldn't be more clear. I felt retaliated against for practicing my right to organize. I already had a target on my back right out there. I won't stand for this retaliatory behavior, and neither will my fellow ATL6 associates. All right, Eric. Sorry. You're a employee. And when you're an employee, you get treated like and you get fired. I'm sorry. That's the way it is. Bring value to your employer so they can't afford to fire you. They have no, they don't want to fire you. They don't want to lose you. Bring value. So when you say, hey, listen, this other company's offering me $2 more an hour, they go, well, you know what? We'll match that. We want to keep you. You're so valuable. Sounds like they're, they're ready. They're having to be done with this guy. Well, the whole, it's, I mean, if it's too hot in the facility, that that's one thing. I don't, I don't know what. I mean, based on some of their other statements, I'm not really sure what too hot means for them. I feel like it might be like 75 degrees. Um, My guys work in 150 degree attics. I'm just saying, like, the I don't know what it, they didn't put a specific in the article. But to say we should have water, we should have Gatorade packets. I mean, you can have those things. Bring them from home. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't hear they say they were not allowed to bring water to work. No, they wanted it provided. It is. In the bathroom, I'm sure there's 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 a sink in the break room. Take take your if, if you just can't afford the water at home, bring an empty empty bottle and fill it up in the sink in the break room before you start work. Look, what I don't hear is people are passing out at work due to heat exhaustion. Mm-mm. You know, we're not hearing about OSHA coming in and shutting them down because they've got they're running a sweatshop. And I didn't hear about this. Apparently, there was a, a walkout strike during Prime Day in Stone Mountain at the Stone Mountain warehouse. I didn't know that, but but for the same I, things, it wasn't like like you were saying about you know. Yeah, and look, it's do your job. Yes, it's hot. I tell people, I tell guys when I hire them, it's hot. We work in the summertime. Wherever we hurt work, it's either hot or it's cold, and when we get it comfortable. We leave. And you so, get in the car. Yeah, and, you know. Then, then it's off to the next one. And you need to you need to hydrate at home. You you, uh, you, you I'll, I'll you know I I do keep I keep a cooler in my truck during the during the summertime. There's a cooler. You can put whatever drinks you want in there. Uh, uh, I usually have waters in there. If you need something, grab it. But it's it's hot up there. And you're not going to, you know, we can't take breaks every 15 minutes when it's hot. We've got a job to do. We've got other places to go. I just have no sympathy for, for these folks to say, oh, well, it's just too hot. Yeah, why don't you come work with me for, for a summer and then go re- reevaluate? Well, and I mean, what do you think working in a warehouse, a distribution facility, what do you think that looks like i mean you know it's not a desk job the the descriptions of the jobs are pretty clear that you know you have to be able to lift you have to be able to be on your feet i mean it's it's not like you got duped and then you're like oh well i mean it's not like you're enlisting in the military and you're stuck and look they've all these factories are all these all these places typically have big ass fans that's the name of the company that circulate air and look, when it's a, when it's 105 degrees outside and you're an unconditioned warehouse, that's just the way it is. But again, they're not digging ditches here. They're loading packages onto motorized carts. They're pushing packages onto belts. This is not we talk about warehouse jobs. They're not using hand trucks. Most of Amazon stuff, I think, is mostly computerized now. But you're you're using machinery, and yes, it's hot. It's hot. If you're if you're work for the USPS, guess what? Most your delivery truck driver or the guy that goes around to your mailbox doesn't have air conditioning. The the b- biggest advantage mm-hmm. they get 
It's when they're actually like out where you live, where there's a quarter Open mile road, between, yeah. between between a mailbox. You get some air. You hit these neighborhoods where they're on quarter acre lots. It's just hot. Yeah, UPS and FedEx they don't have AC in their trucks. They just right suffer. But somehow being union makes makes them feel cooler because FedEx, UPS, and USPS all have a union, so they must obviously feel cooler because they have a union. But their conditions don't change. How about that? Isn't that funny? Who gets rich in a union? The union. The the union bosses get rich, mm-hmm. and they really feel your pain when they tell you to strike, and they're still eating steak, and you're over there eating hamburger helper. So you have a little sidebar story on this: the U.S. factories emerge as strong point in a weakening economy. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Like these stories were right after each other, and. I would say that most people would think a factory is more probably a tougher work environment than a warehouse. Um, probably a few more are more risks, things like that. But it said the statistics um, showed that in the last year, factories have added 467,000 jobs and factory production in September was the highest in 14 years. Now, these numbers are coming from the Federal Reserve. So I don't I don't know. I mean. <laughs> don't trust anything from them yeah i mean i like part of me is like well maybe but um they said that they're trying to meet consumers insatiable demand for cars computers and candy bars but um i just i don't know like while these people are complaining about the warehouses like there's other people who are and not and you know factory workers there's a lot of um manufacturers right now who are paying out the behind just to have workers who are reliable and consistent and higher pay and, but they're not out there striking. Look, you're working at an Amazon or you're working at a factory. Factory workers are skilled labor and they're, they're certainly not as uh, dangerous as they used to be. There's a lot of automation now with factories and, and look, these are good, good jobs that uh, every machine that they put in a factory, they they need a guy to repair that machine. And well, these are these are decent pay, really good paying jobs. And working at Amazon, they'll take you with no skills and teach you to learn to run a forklift and get your forklift certification and things like that. And these people have no. I, I, it's been the last two years has been the 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 great semi retirement for young people where they've got so much money coming in. There's so much rental assistance out there. There's this this assistance, that assistance. People are just walking away from their jobs. Well, I had to laugh because the some the I guess he's the owner, um, Drew Greenblatt. He purchased Madsen Steel Wire Products Factory in Orland, Indiana, and he said we've invested in new technology, robotic press brakes, and then he said new bathrooms for the employees. Like that's the perk that they're talking about in this facility. Whereas Amazon's like, we want Gatorade. There's- yeah, I look, and sometimes when you're in an hourly job and you get a 15-minute break, when they talk about new bathrooms, they may be talking about bathrooms that you don't have a 15-minute walk to get to. Because some of these, I've been to, I've been to air conditioning factories and stuff, where you need a you need a scooter to get from one side to the other. And if you're on a quick break to to, to run to the bathroom, or to run to go grab grab, grab more water, it's it's a, a good distance away. So that's that's actually a pretty nice perk. But yeah, the Amazon people, yeah, give me Gatorade and cocktails at five. This is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we, we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. It's hee-haw time. Who's the mule of the week? Uh, well, the first one is the city of Atlanta. They announced this past week that they're going to spend $39 million to buy a 41-story downtown office building, um, 2 Peachtree Street. The state has owned it um, for a very long time. It, for a long, it was also the, lo- the tallest tower down there for a very long time. But um, the city of Atlanta is going to renovate it. And make it mixed income housing and a couple other things like on the lower levels. But the reason that it's that qualifies them for mule of the week is the state has had it for 30 years. They have 
in recent years invested $100 million into it to renovate it and upgrade it and do things to it. Um, I don't know how recently that was, but recent enough. And they they spent $45 million moving all of the state offices and government tenants out of it. So the the with their um at the forefront thinking you know it would cost more to do additional renovations than the building is worth so the city of atlanta is like hey we'll buy it no problem so they're going to renovate i mean if uh, if the state cannot if it says it's more it costs more money than it's worth to renovate it and that would be for keeping it the same use that it is i can't even fathom what it would cost to renovate it for a new use to include you're going from office cubicles and state government offices which are never the cream of the crop to housing units well the the thing they said that was the mixed income and affordable housing problem uh, uh, that you put in there first of all mixed income sounds good it's a place for everybody but the reason you buy a $10 million house is not to live next to a $150,000 house. I mean, that's just, that's just, that, that's, that's, that's just the way it is. Uh, you don't put, uh, you don't, you don't buy, you don't buy a $10 million house to live next door to, to uh, a rental house. That's, and that's what the, this will become is the affordable houses will, will get housing will be snapped up by investors, which free market, totally cool about that get snapped up by investors if they go for sale. And then because of where it is, they'll start they'll start renting it out and they'll start pricing out everybody, all the all the people that they wanted to target because it's a, a prime location. Plus, you know, they want to do mixed use and put, you know, retail shops and restaurants on the bottom. And I actually and think downs- because of the location, it'll no. be that may be semi-successful. No. Not with the homelessness and crime and all that they have down there. Yeah, that's I mean, true. When I was in college at Georgia State, freaking twelve years ago, there were in the middle of the day, in between our college campuses and everything, there were homeless people laying on the lawns with all their stuff strewn everywhere. People don't want to go shopping there. I'm shopping, sorry. no. But if you if you work down there, you have to eat. Yeah. So that. That tends to even when I had a uh, when I was in an office downtown on uh, on North Ave, right at but, North Avenue and Peachtree, I had an office. We, you know, we'd go across to the which is now the is it Bank of America building now, mm-hmm. Who, whoever it is now. It used to be the Nations Bank building that that we that we would go to for all the all the little delis around these these big high rises that that supported office workers did well. But you've just eliminated. I mean, there's already food down there at like Georgia State. No, that's true. I mean, it's all woven in there, and you've just eliminated 41 stories of workers to put 41 stories of housing. Right. Uh, I, I I don't I don't see it as a as a viable concept down there. Uh, like I said, retail restaurants and stuff. If you if you put up a, put up a quality product, they'll do fine. You, know, you put a Capital Grill in there, Capital Grill will do fine. Uh, but as far as the 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 mixed income and affordable affordable housing, one that's not the role of the city. Two, it's not the role of the city to spend that kind of money to to renovate it. Let let the state sell it to an investor who's who just wants the piece of dirt, who's going to implode the building and put something else up. And I guarantee you, I mean, whatever, I guess, but I guess, I, I, I don't know. This The city's probably getting a, a quote, deal on it. Um, but I don't even, I mean, what's that even Well, mean? anybody inside the city of Atlanta enjoy paying for that one. All right, Jessica, Super Mule. Yeah, so apparently there's this movement. Um, and I, we probably should have attached this to what we were talking about with Clayton County and the school safety and everything, but there's this movement to encourage parents to store their kids' DNA somewhere in case of emergencies, um, particularly the mass school shootings, um, so that they can identify their kids' bodies in emergencies. Um, It was on the Today Show. 
But that's how that's how today reported it. What 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 re, the reason article says that's not the, the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was an extension of the fingerprinting your kids idea, where you keep it on you keep it on file in case the kid comes up missing. It was right. wasn't a response to the school shooting. I mean, but isn't that true about anybody? Like, I mean, if anybody like they if anybody goes missing or is dead, that you you're gonna want their hairbrush or a cup or yeah, it, it's I, so easy to get or or one parent's DNA. Both would be nice, but even in the even in the case of uh, of adopted kids, uh, hairbrush, any, uh, yeah, uh, you don't need. Plus, if if you if you do want to fingerprint your kids, you don't have to send it to the state. You can keep you can keep it in a safe deposit box. If you do want to keep DNA of your kids, take some hairs and stick stick it in a in a ziplock and, and keep it with the fingerprints in a uh, safe deposit box or something. Don't hand that stuff over to the state. That's freaking weird. That's freaking weird. Who would want to do you. that? Oh, you gotta, you gotta. Why do you hate children, Jessica? I mean, we've been through this. Because <laughs> they're non-productive. Yeah, they're dead weight. <laughs> You're just pulling them through until their adulthood. Eighteen years on the lamb. Twenty-six Not, now. Yeah. Well. Ugh. I I just I can't. I mean, that stuff spreads like wildfire and. Even though that's how today reported it, like it, th- that's not uncommon. Like for people to think that the state is the best safekeeper of information, and I mean, every I think everyone should have a a plan. They say you should have like your kids' updated photos, and you should have like a little package that if if your child went missing or something, you could give it to the dental records. Everything you could give it to. I hundred percent agree. There's nothing worse when I see a, a missing child thing on Facebook, and the most recent picture they have is something with freaking filters on it, and they have yeah. butterflies over their face and crap. For like sure. that's not that's not what she looks like. Right. Right. And. Give us something. I mean, give us a couple. Like, but I think I think every parent should have that, and you know, I think it's you should be prepared. We live in an awful world between social media and technology and all the ways, not only that kids can access danger, but that danger can truly like. I mean, I was talking to someone about this yesterday. Like, we live in a world where, especially when it comes with more social media than anything, but where nasty predators can access kids more easily because of the internet because of these apps like they can and you don't just have to protect your child anymore you have to be proactive and be on the defense because they're looking for your kid and they have a very easy way to do it that's a reality of the times that we live in at the same time at the same time though you know if the state can't protect you from all of those things what makes you think they're going to be the best guardian of all of your things? Of your child's private information and those fingerprints and the, the DNA that will long outlive the parent. Uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with keeping that data on your personal file, it, it, whether it's in a safe deposit box or fireproof safe, something like that. There's nothing wrong with keeping those keep, keeping that keeping that FBI packet ready to go. Hey, look, that, that sounds macabre, but it's but it's true. You get you have, uh, you know, I have I have a go bag, you know. I, I call you know if, if bad things were to happen, I've got I've got a bag that's got stuff that I need, you know, a, a, enough money, ammo, weapons, uh, change of clothes, water, purification stuff, ready to go. Not that I anticipated happening. In case it does, mm-hmm. I've got it ready to go. Why wouldn't a parent want to want to file ready to hand to the FBI and go look? He's missing. This is what he looks like. Here's fingerprints. Here's uh, here's a sample of DNA. Go get him. Go find where he is. All right. Speaking of children, let's talk. Let's talk about the war on childhood. I mean, it's constant. This it is. So the first story you have is about bunk beds of all godforsaken things to 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 worry about. Yes. So foster children in Maryland are not allowed to use bunk beds. Um, the fine print of the Maryland's 
of Maryland's state foster care regulations say each child shall have an individual bed that may not be stacked in a vertical bunk bed formation. Um, so, I mean, the argument that why this is among the multiple reasons that this is outrageous is, um, you know, a lot of times they're used for safe spa- uh, space saving reasons. Um And that would automatically disqualify someone from being a foster parent. Um, The the thing that I guess is the most outrageous is like family members who take in children because of situations. Like a lot of times that's on a very quick, you know, they don't have the opportunity to just pick up and move and and make the accommodations in the way that then they are not even allowed to – put their kids, put the kids in a bunk bed to make it work in the, in in the medium. And then it happened to a grandma. That's how this all comes to light. A grandma wanted to take her and her grandkids. And what, this is the problem that comes in when you overreact to, uh, uh, to uh, a situation. I guarantee you this came about because somebody had their house looking like a, a, a World War II army barracks where they had the whole house lined with with bunk beds and they were collecting state checks for each each of those warm cots. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know what? No, we're not going to let this happen. And instead of using common sense is they overreact to, to one situation and say, you can't have stackable beds anymore. And then you got a grandma who had to cram three beds into a tiny room with no room to walk around. That was okay. But you couldn't take one, put it on top of the other. Ooh, bad. So you can have you can have one bed blocking the egress in case of a fire getting in front of the window. That's fine. Or make it so hard if there were an emergency, you couldn't get out the door because the the path between the beds is, is so small. Fine, but you can't stack them because we can't use common sense in government anymore. Well, and so what if, she ended up had it. doing, the grandmother was she just lined the beds up so that there was no room in between of that. I mean, so basically like you're taking logistically, you're taking away play space and, you know, living space just to meet some absurd government regulation that just shows you that one size will never fit all. It's just asinine. Yeah. We don't have, we don't have any more, Common sense. You know, you can't send somebody to look at a potential foster home and go, this home's clean. There's food in the fridge. Uh, you know, for, for little kids, the all the outlets have, have safety covers on them. The, the house looks, uh, looks safe, clean, fenced in backyard. Okay, you're good to go. You have to write every little thing down because nobody has any judgment anymore. Well, you know, Georgia has done a lot of overhauls on the state's adoption um, and foster parent rules. And I think, I think I can't remember if it was this year or last year, but recently we allowed, we put in like a, a that'll allow a foster parent to use a babysitter because we prohibited them for doing that. And I can't think of anything more outrageous. I mean, whether you are a seasoned foster parent or you're fostering to adopt or whatever, I mean, Lord only knows what the circumstances are. Parents need breaks. And yeah. the fact that we prohibited that, I mean, no, you don't want a foster parent to just leave their kid unattended all the time and or with a babysitter all the time and that babysitter not be a... But I mean, like, those are just consequences of... Bad things are going to happen no matter what. I hate to say that. Like, there's going to be evil, terrible people who do things to children, no matter how many laws you have in place. I mean, my God, in Effingham County, the biological parents of two children killed them, kept them in dog cages, fed them dog food, starved them, um, assaulted them, brutalized them, and then buried them in the backyard when they finally died. Those are their biological children. And in the state, defects, you know, was contacted. The school the school knew that they were pulled out of school. Like, all these things, and nobody was able to stop it because there's evil in the world. And it could have been prevented. I'm not saying that it couldn't. I mean, there were many draw- balls dropped. But that's just the world we live in, that evil people will do evil things. And I don't know how many 
I, I can't help but think that like good humans are missing out on being loving parents and children are missing out on loving homes simply because someone wanted to do something one time. Well, you know, and I have a story. I, I, I'm not going to mention anybody by name because it's still uh, still ongoing. But I've got a friend who stepped in to take her sister's two kids. One uh, was a newborn. Uh, sister was in a, a, in a northern state, uh, messed up on drugs. Uh, baby was born with some problems, one being tongue-tied. Uh, she got she got the the babies down here the 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 little older than toddler three four year old and and, and the newborn and uh, took possession of them possession day huh possession you mean custody yeah no possession not custody possession what possession of them got got tried to get the mother into uh, to a program to help got kicked out of that program for not not obeying rules. The uh, elder daughter is showing serious signs of abuse, mm. uh, dissociative disorder with choking toys and things like that that are really, really big. And the mother would not sign off on any psyche vows because presumably that she knows what's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, bounced around different different shelters, got kicked out of different homes. Finally, I guess she found somebody to give her a, a super super good deal. She got a. Uh, uh, finally got a job somewhere. Talks about it to get her a super deal on something to rent, but the state stepped in to, and this is after getting uh, the people that I know in the state involved. But you know, w- went to the judge. They handed the kids back over to the attic mm. because she peed clean. After this, this woman who's uh, she and her husband had had raised two kids. When I say raised, one is in college, one's a senior in high school. Two great kids, uh, clean house. They're not rich. But their house is clean, warm, welcoming, uh, in a safe neighborhood, and handed it back over to the woman who uh, had been bounced around the ki- uh, and handed the kids back over because they did everything they everything they could do to qualify as foster parents, and uh, the state the state between uh, files between this person and this person never never got back, and they just handed the babies back over to someone who has a very recent history of of uh, of drug abuse has no really no means of raising the kids it's from uh, someone who almost done raising her kids but willing to open her home up to to these children right and you know what that's a that's kind of, it is it is and one day when whenever when everything is clear I'll see if she wants to come on and talk about it uh there's they're still maneuvering back and forth with court and, and things like that. When I say take possession, she literally had possession of the kids. She never was given custody. Like she had to if she would the the older daughter's teeth were so rotted because she'd been giving been given candy for meals. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about a three year old having to have teeth removed from rot. It's just and showing signs of neglect and give it right back to that parent because yeah, you know, and and I and I don't know what the cure is to it because I certainly want biological parents given given right, every opportunity right. to get their kids back, but when you see those signs of neglect and nobody at defects wants to stand up and say, well, that's not right, you know, no, we we need to we need to we need to do the right thing here. And that's how you get stupid rules like you can't have bunk beds because no one can look at something and go, that's a clean house, the bunk bed's cool, that's a that's a baby storage facility, and no, we're not going to allow it. Well, and I I really take issue with, I mean, you didn't have to take their children away for good. You could have said temporary custody. I mean, I don't understand because why. Being interstate threw another loop into that. Being born in a different state and then coming down here to, to, to get away from, mm-hmm. get away from an abuser and all that stuff. So oh. the, the, the defect stuff from the other state, then, you know, the child not being, you know, being a newborn, not being born in Georgia, there's there's a lot more maneuvering that that was involved. And every lawyer they talked to said, "You don't need to talk to us. Just file the right paperwork. They'll take care of everything." Because no, you know, no one's really an expert at that particular type of custody. Wow. So, wow. real quick, we have um, no more parades outside for one school district for for Halloween. Yes, two. Dangerous to have the children outside. 
um, stranger danger and emotional distress to children who choose not to participate. Emotional stress on children who decide not to participate. Just the thought of having an entire children, entire school population of young children in a field surrounded by adults that we couldn't possibly screen was worrisome. Director of the school district school, the schools. Oh, that doesn't make, the director of the school district school and community relations told the Philadelphia Inquirer. She compared the parades to a shooting incident at a nearby high school that left a 14-year-old dead. We all saw what happened outside at a football game just a couple weeks ago. And it was necessary oh to include, because some children's families don't celebrate Halloween, and kids who opt out of the parade have to sit in the library while it takes place. Our district prides itself on providing a sense of belonging to every student, and we have numerous students who, for religious or cultural reasons, do not celebrate Halloween. No, they don't. Okay, look, first of all, Halloween's not a religious... religious. Uh, uh, well, it's an anti-religious for some. Yes, Candace. Yes, it's the, it's the devil at work if you dress up like a witch. Um, I'm just saying. Just, good lord. They have no problem celebrating. This is in the story too. Celebrating Diwali, or celebrating uh, uh, Chinese New Year, or uh, any any other cultural thing. We're saying, we're all gonna we're all gonna recognize this culture, and we're gonna we're gonna cook Chinese dishes today for Chinese New Year, which I think is a wonderful thing to do. Absolutely. And whether it's whether it's uh, Latino uh, uh, Recognition Month and say, okay, we're going to talk about uh, the different types of food that you find in Latin America, or uh, if you're going to do, you know, Mexican food on on May fifth, it it does it doesn't matter. Even if it's even if you want to 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 do, you know, Southern cultural soul food in February, that's fine. That's exposing students to to stuff that they don't they haven't necessarily seen. So I don't see the problem with participating in in a, a a parade dressed as a ghost, but but anyway, that's 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 the parent being being a d bag. The school shutting it down is, I mean, they're competing for. We already had two really strong meals of the week, but this this would be a <laughs> a close third. For sure, it just it's over the top. Um, the danger part to me is a little bit more. It's more excessive than like acting like. I mean, sure, you could when you're taking the kids out to the to load onto the buses into a carpool, you could have somebody shoot from and and just unload. I mean, like, my God, why, the world is a dangerous place. They could get hit by a bus. That why why up. can't you do a do a, a a parade through the through the the gym or whatever common area they have the cafeteria where you sit up uh, you have people set up little little booths and let them trick or treat around different booths around the around some sort of common area or down down the hallway or whatever. I, I and if you don't participate in Halloween, why can't you have those kids handing out the candy and 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 and, and have some piece like that? I don't care what that what the kids who don't participate. It's a if day you're wearing a you're wearing a costume to school is a lost educational day. Let them stay home. I don't care. Yeah, but we don't change the rule of society because you find uh, uh, walking around as a ghost offensive. You know what? Keep your kids home that day. They're obviously too fragile for society. Yeah, and I mean, they're put them in if you. I don't know, put them in a private school or homeschool them altogether. If you're worried about the quote indoctrination, you don't have to. We've had this conversation though. I mean, like there were plenty of things that my schools over the years taught me, and the conversation would just be when I came home that you know that's an interesting perspective, and we respect people with those beliefs, or you know that lifestyle or whatever it may be, that's not something that we practice, but that's really, that's the end of it. It's not something that we, I mean, and if you can't teach your kids to be um, confident in those beliefs and have that conversation and have that, you foster that environment at home, then that's really a personal problem, not a school problem. Right. Well, we all want to talk, talk tolerance. All right, Jess, you got any closing thoughts? No, I'll defer to you since we're running long on time. All right. So, my elitism has has been trumped. Uh, ORD uh, Chicago O'Hare Airport is getting a new Sky Club, and I believe it's an international concourse for Delta. It's going to have its own boarding uh, jetway, 
so that if if you're uh, first class on international flight and or you're in the Sky Club, so you're you're you know, and, and I am a member of the Sky Club. Uh, Can't hide yeah. money. <laughs> it, it comes with one of the ambitions. I know, I, I know. I know. <laughs> but you don't have to. You don't have to get around the the, the regular people. You can board the regular <laughs> people. Oh my god! You can you can you don't have to be with the normies. You can just uh. go leave the Sky Club and not have to push past people in pajama pants to 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 get with the with the priority boarding. You Thank have your god. own jetway to get on. Thank God! I can't imagine <laughs> having to board with the people with pajama pants. <laughs> it's like Walmart in the air now. Nobody deserves that. So, on that note of elitism, <laughs> a big thank you to Eric Cumbie, our editor, to Jessica Salajmi, a partner of Endeavor. I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. Very